You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hey there, Jeanne-Marie Penel here for The Art of Parenting. And today I have a brand new interview that I wanted to share with you. But before we enjoy and listen to that one, I just wanted to let you know that the parenting school uh, will be opening in early September. So if you have any inclination, curiosity, there is a link in the show notes, get on the wait list so you will be the first to know when the doors open. This is my flagship course along with mentoring where you get to ask your personal questions and I get to help you along this uh, beautiful parenting journey that you are on. So that is in the show notes. The parenting school will be opening early September 2022 and I do hope you can join me there. The other thing is I do have a free download for you. This is my 50 confidence boosting activities for children. It's a small guide with some ideas of how we can involve our young children in the house in activities that we need to do. They are curious. They want to help. So I've put together a guide so that you know which activities are appropriate and how to show them. And you'll see I have a little trick in there. It's with an acronym called SHOW. So I encourage you to download that. That is also in the show notes. It is my free 50 confidence boosting activities for young children. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy this latest conversation I had with my guest. Take good care. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I have the lovely Elise Knox with us to talk more about parenting teenagers. So I know I usually focus on the early years of parenthood, but hey, we're all going to get to having teenagers, right? So let's uh, dive in and see uh, what Elise has to share with us today. Welcome, Elise. Good to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So as always, I like to start with the what your definition of the art of parenting uh, would be. Mm, I love this question. And I don't feel like it's a a simple answer. Um, But I would define the art of parenting as a dance between um, a very flexible dance between meeting your child where they're at and their needs and meeting your own needs so that you can show up for them in the way that you want to. Love that. And I love the way that you say a flexible dance because (laughs) sometimes it can be a slow dance and sometimes it can be a really out of (laughs) a lot of commotion dance. So wonderful. Yes. Yes. So I'd also add like not always beautiful and graceful, sometimes beautiful and graceful and sometimes not. (laughs) Sometimes we don't feel all that coordinated, right? To, to follow all the steps. Yeah, love that analogy because it truly is uh, a dance. Um, wonderful. And so before we get uh, into the thick of our conversation, I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Yeah, so um, 
I am a, I, I grew up with a wonderful family. And when I got to teen years, things got really, really hard. And I'm the youngest of three kids and I felt very different. And so I think that that's where my journey began. But I, of course, didn't really know that at the time. Um, and then, you know, the more I learn about adolescence so that I can um, work with adolescents because I work with both parents and teens. And the more I learn about adolescence, you know, it doesn't really end until 25. And so I would say it took me that whole time to really kind of get my feet under myself. And around then I decided to go back to finish college. I had started, but not finished and um, become a, a teacher. And so I went back to school and ended up becoming a special ed teacher. I worked in the middle school um, in a special day class. And I didn't start until I was 29. And so then I happened to start a family pretty soon thereafter. And um, becoming being a mom was always kind of like one of my main goals in life. And so when I became a mom, I knew that I didn't want to do both at the same time because um, teaching in a middle school special day class was all consuming of my time and my energy. And I wanted to be able to give my time to my, my daughter. So I took some time off and, and then during that time, I I've had an autoimmune condition for since I was 22. And so during that time I found yoga, I rediscovered yoga. I became a yoga teacher. I found health coaching. I became a health coach and then I found myself working back in a middle school and high school health coaching with teenagers. <laughs> and it was funny because I was like, huh, here I am again working with teens. What does this mean? And I also, in working in the school with teens, I really realized that it's really helpful to work with the whole family unit. Um, so I would be coaching with teens and things would be going really well. But if there were challenges at home and I didn't have a lot of communication with the families, then that was challenging. So um, and I actually did that through COVID. So that was interesting, too, because I was in person and then I was virtual. And so I did that for about two years and then I went out on my own. And uh, so I now and I also got a life coaching certificate so I could really serve the teens and their families in the way, like have an expanded uh, knowledge base. And so now I work with moms of teens and teens. And when I work with the teen, I always incorporate the family. And then when I work with the parents, you know, sometimes their their child gets some extra support. And sometimes I just work with the parents. Wonderful, wonderful. And I love how it's just a full circle, right? You your your own teenagehood brought you to working with teens and then you left and then you came back and now that's what you're you're doing so beautiful and i and i love how you say you know it's really the whole family because it's true that i know i i have found that in my work of you know parents will drop their children off at school the children are doing fine and then parents are don't understand their children at home and it's it's always for me it's just like a a you know, collaborative piece between the teachers, the guides, the coaches and such, and, and really completing that, that whole family unit. So beautiful work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. It's so, um, it's like, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. We all are like part of this big, whether it's your family or your classroom, if you're a teacher, like it's, it's not just a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And so, that really became clear to me when I was just working with one side, like, oh, I kind of need to work with the whole unit. Right, right. Beautiful. And any kind of, uh, I don't know, tips or revelations that you have just discovered as you have been working more and more with these families, you know, kind of one-on-one, -on -one, what would you say maybe to our listeners who maybe don't yet have teenagers and want to kind of prepare themselves or 
um, because as, as I said at the beginning, I tend to work with, you know, birth through the first six years. And to me, there is great parallel between toddlerhood and teenagehood. And, and I always feel that if we can do toddlerhood, well, teenagehood will, will be, be good too, right? We've, we've kind of tuned in and, and prepared ourselves. But what would you say to maybe those listeners um, that don't yet have a teenager or maybe do have a teenager? Yeah. Um, well, I also, I don't have my, my daughters are six and nine. So um, I'm kind of, kind of coming out of that toddlerhood and young child stage and moving into school age. Um, and I would fully agree with you. Um, some of the things that I think are most important that are most important all throughout parenting are really um, listening to your kids and being really present with them when they're sharing. And I think this is something that starts in toddlerhood and um, there's a little bit more of flexibility and leeway in at when they're younger because um, the things they're sharing might not be as big and they might not be as is important. You know, sometimes when they're little, they're sharing things that you're like, I am so busy. How does this, like, I don't have time. How does, how is this important? Um, but it is important to the kid. And then when they become teenagers, you know, they share less. And so when they do share, it's really important that you can listen to them and try to listen without judgment and um, be present with them so that they continue to share. Because I think that's a big concern that comes up with moms. Most, I mostly work with moms. Um, is like, oh my gosh, like my daughter has, has been, we've been like besties her whole life. And all of a sudden she doesn't tell me anything. And so it's really important that you get your muscle of presence and open listening built when they're young so that when they're teens, you're well-practiced in it. That's that's great that you say that. And to me, I know I'm often I, I often hear that from parents of younger children, right? They're saying, Oh, they don't tell me anything about the school day. I ask them, you know, what did you do? And they don't say anything. And my my thing is always like model, right? You start sharing what you're feeling, what you're doing, kind of your little you know, what, what you did during the day, during your, how you're feeling your secrets kind of thing. And to me, that's how we start that whole, you know, kind of in-depth communication. W would you agree with that? Is that kind of one of the advice that you give to these mamas? Definitely. And, and that kind of brings me to one of my next modeling 100%. And the other thing that I would, I would recommend to all young parents is, or all parents of younger kids is modeling repair. So, you know, when you get upset or make a mistake or, you know, maybe you're tired or you're hungry and you snap instead of um, being patient with them, the importance of just saying, like, whenever you are in the place where you can say it, like, hey, listen, I didn't handle that properly. I'm so sorry. Um I just want you to know, like, I made a mistake. And I think this is so important for your children to learn that it's okay to make mistakes. And it's it's wonderful to apologize. And um, repair is always more important than the rupture. Wonderful. It's so true. I, I know that I often say, you know, it's okay to let your child know <laughs> that you're not perfect, that you make mistakes, that you're human, that, uh, you know, and I love that you say it's a, it's a repair because it really is um, wonderful. Thank you for that. Now, uh, anything else that you would want to, to share with parents of maybe, like, are there any other skills or tools that you would hope that parents have as they approach uh, teenagehood, as they they are kind of in the midst of it. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the biggest challenges with teenagehood that I see is, um, or parenting teenagehood, 
<laughs> teenagehood in itself has many of its own challenges, but um, is that oftentimes I'm sure you've heard people refer to this and experienced it since you have an older daughter is um, I think they say like the years that I'm in right now in parenting are kind of these like honeymoon years um, where they're not as dependent on you. They're more independent. Um but they also haven't like become hormonal and all of those things. So they haven't gone into teenage years. And I think what can happen is it can, it feels kind of easier. And so you may like not be as engaged and not be talking to them quite as much about their feelings and about what's going on. And, and you're just not quite as involved because you don't really need to be. And you've just come off of six plus years of being, so involved. And then when the teen years hit, that can become, that can be a little challenging because you're just not like, you're not used to the, to that challenge. And so I think it's really important to just um, continue to connect and talk about feelings and emotions and what's going on for your kids. Um, and so that when those when the changes start to happen, they're comfortable with you talking to them about these things. And it's not like all of a sudden you have to sit down and have hard conversations with mom. Right. So basically, it's not because it's honeymoon years and that <laughs> they're, they're, they're kind of on their own figuring things out that you need to stop that whole communication. Yeah, and really, I I think that um, that in connection with really staying connected to yourself, so that you can, because I know something for me personally that I see coming down the lines is that since I struggled so much as a teen, um, I have a lot of fear around, and I have two daughters um, around that time and. When we have unresolved wounds or trauma or fears, we often project those onto our children as parents. And so I think it's why I'm, I said at the beginning, like it's a dance between really connecting with yourself and really connecting with your children. Because if I don't work out my own stuff, then I, I'm, I'm not constantly looking for that in whether it was, you know, um, I had a lot of like friend issues and boy issues and I was pretty wild. And so like if when we don't work that stuff out in ourselves, we look for challenges in that in those areas with our children. Right. And it's, it's interesting you say that because I know for both my children, I was so ever grateful that they were nothing like me as a teenager. <laughs> and I told them that I said, Oh, my goodness, you know, this, it, because it kind of like you like I was, you know, I was, I don't think I was a very nice teenager to my mom. And, you know, I had a lot of things going on, uh, you know, both family situations and stuff. And so for them, I think, you know, I mean, for one, my family situation was completely different. And, and yeah, they, I think I really intentionally kept that communication open the whole time. And, and I do remember telling them both, like, thank you. Like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is so much easier than what I put my own parents through. So, so just to tell you, it doesn't have to be a repeat of what, what we actually went through. So, and I think we come to, I think we come to our parenting, you know, with, with a very different intention. Um, and, and especially you, you know, you and I, we're, we're, we're trained, we've, we've kind of, you know, put our energy into understanding human beings a bit more that, you know, maybe our parents didn't do that or, or didn't have those tools. So um, it does not have to repeat. <laughs> totally, like 100%. And and I think that we as parents have to continue to remind ourselves of that. Um, like a little example of this is 
I work with teenage girls who are like, you know, usually 12 to 15. And one of my clients had her first boyfriend. But, you know, when when I say boyfriend, it was like they held hands. They hadn't kissed. They were basically friends who called themselves boyfriend and girlfriend. And one session, she's like so excited that she has this boyfriend that she's had a crush on. And then the next session, she's like, I can't talk to my mom about it. She thinks like she immediately jumped to pregnancy and drug use and like all of these things and the girl's like I haven't even like we 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 haven't kissed like there's you know and so in my mind I'm like of course because the mom probably had some experiences when she was a teen and that's what she sees when her daughter comes home and says I have a boyfriend and so this is like that area where the mom myself included, really get to do their own work so that they can show up when their daughter comes home. And I remember the feeling of my first boyfriend and how excited I was and how innocent it was. And, and like, can you just be in that joy with them and not project your own fears onto them? Already. So yes, Elise, you mentioned uh, earlier some of the teenagehood has its own challenges. And I would love if you could touch on maybe, you know, two or three of those major challenges, because I know there's a lot of, you know, brain development going on, there's things in our nervous system and such, but what would be you know, what could you point out for our listeners, maybe two or three of the challenges that our children are going through as they enter uh, teenagehood? Yes. Um, so brain development wise, um, there, it is kind of the first time that they start to question the parent figure as maybe not knowing everything. And they start really identifying and over-identifying sometimes with their peers. And so um, this is the time where all of a sudden you're, they may stop sharing with you. They may just want to be in their room. They want to be as connected as possible to their peers. And they have less desire to be connected to the family. And this can feel really, really painful for the family. And it is a necessary part of development for teens to become successfully socially thriving adults. And it's something that happens for all humans as they develop to varying degrees, or maybe like it presents in varying degrees. And so as painful as it still is for the parents, it's also helpful to to understand that this is a phase that a human goes through to become a successful, thriving social adult. So that's that's one really big one. Um, another thing is just that they are like they're just learning about being. Um, an adult, they're starting to have, be able to think of bigger ideas. And this can sometimes feel really scary to the parent because the teen has their own, um, their own ideas. They, they want to do these kind of possibly the parent thinks crazy things, or they're just able to think in more abstract, creative ways about like problem solving and those types of things. And so this is where that open-minded listening really comes in handy. And it doesn't mean that you have to agree with them at all, but if you can be open to hearing these ideas, and sometimes the idea might be like, I want to go to this party and these are the reasons why I think I should be able to go. So it doesn't mean that you have to say like, well, yes, I, of course you can go. It just means that you listen and say like, huh, like, tell me more. I really, I really hear these things from what you're telling me. And I have these boundaries. So this situation might not work. But the cool thing about having this awareness that teens are starting to have is that they can like, problem solve. And I mean, 
you know, some of the biggest, most um, newest ideas come from this age group because of this aspect of brain development. Right, right. And, and, and also probably because they're still children in a way, you know, that innocence of, well, what it, why don't we try this? Or, you know, if to me, they just have really out of the box ideas. And, and like you say, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if we really listen to them? Because I think they, they're geniuses in a way, right? They, they, some, some ideas might be a little crazy, but I think just that out of the box thinking is so, so valuable. Yeah. And I think like, Part of it is that they don't have, you know, their inhibitions are a little bit down. They're not, they're not planning for the worst. And I think as adults, we, we can kind of get stuck in always having to have a plan and think about what possibly bad things could happen. And they don't have that as much yet. And so it's like all, all things that are happening for teens in their brain development have like amazing qualities and challenging qualities. And so as a parent, it's how do we nurture these qualities so that the amazing side of them can be um, nurtured? And then how do we also have some some boundaries and some um, connections so that we can also protect them from the sides that can be a little bit dangerous? Right, right. And er- earlier, you said one of the the kind of the challenges is um, that they have identified that the parent kind of doesn't always know everything. And, and, and that is so true, right? Where they're like impatient with us, it's like, oh, mom, really? Uh, but how, how can we prepare ourselves and them for for that because i think you know oftentimes as parents i feel that parents of young children feel that they do need to know everything right there's that whole stage where children ask us why for every single you know thing and and it's why for every response that we give them and such and to me it's important at some point to tell our child well you know what i i'm not sure of that uh let's find out right to be kind of in this inquisitive mind with them um and i'm just wondering if that would help our teenagers kind of not be so disappointed that we don't know everything when they get to that stage. Yeah, I think I I love that you bring this up. Um, I remember a few years ago, even though I've, you know, I've studied child development for almost 20 years now, um, off and on, I was having a conversation with one of my daughters and I was like, wow, she literally thinks I like know everything. And that is insane because I know so little about so many things. Um, And so that was a real turning point for me where I was like, I need to educate her that I don't know a lot of things, you know, like, I don't want to be that person to her. I want to be um, her mom and in partnership with discovering things. And And so she knows that her teachers don't know everything and her dad doesn't know everything and like nobody knows everything. So I do think it's that's one of the things along with, you know, apologizing and the things that I meant listening, like those things are really important to talk to your kids about from a young age. And I think people sometimes parents are worried to like, I'm using air quotes here, give up control by, um, you know, letting their kids know that they don't have the answers or they don't know everything. But what I really feel like happens is it's a point of connection. Definitely. Definitely. And and trust because, you know, somebody that pretends that they know everything and then you you find out that they've been, you know, fooling you, I think it would be would be a lot of uh, mistrust there. And, and teenagehood is so, so important to be able to trust uh, our parents, like it should be a safe place. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think I Yeah. So I think that when we talk about like what things we can do as parents, when they're younger to make the teen years less challenging, hopefully, 
It is really just having that like open communication and clear boundaries as well so that everybody kind of knows where everybody else stands. Beautiful. Yes. Wonderful. And, and I would love if you had maybe uh, one or two kind of, if you can bust some of those myths that we have about teenagers, I I really feel uh, in my heart that teenagers get a bad rap, right? It's like, oh my gosh, you know, I always hear parents like, oh my gosh, you have a teenager. Oh, how, you know, how terrible. And yet to me, that's, it's such an amazing, you know, time in their, in their life. It's like, it's like this moment of, of, you know, transformation. And you were, you were talking about, you know, you're in this kind of honeymoon stage of, of childhood. And it's interesting because in, in Montessori, Dr. Montessori explained this as these four planes of development. She called this the constructive rhythm of life. And it's true that the first six years are this immense transformation because there is so much going on in the brain. And then six to 12 is this kind of childhood where it is uh, consolidation and perfecting all the skills. And then again, adolescence is again, a time of transformation. So uh, it's fascinating how, how, how you were saying that. But what are some of like the the misconceptions that maybe the general public has around teenagehood and and how would you kind of debunk those myths? Yes, this is one of my uh one of my desires in life is to to bust some of these myths. I think you know when there's I have two girls, and so when I am at the park or, you know, meeting people and they're like, oh, yeah, it might be easy now, but you just wait. Those things, um, you know, like it's like, oh, girls are easier when they're younger and more challenging in teen years and boys vice versa. And I, I, I'm not open to that. I know there are some, some things that are people think. And I also believe that you can have a really connected relationship with your daughter all the way through. Um, And so one thing that I think is really important to remember is when you see teens in a large group, that's, I think that's where a lot of the misconceptions come from. Like they're being loud, they're being obnoxious, they're using swear words, they're doing all these things. And when I work with teens one-on-one, every single time I'm like, wow, they're so insightful. They're so amazing that they, they're looking at the world with a way like more open, expansive view than a lot of adults that I know. And so I think attempting in any way you can to connect with teens one-on-one can bust some of those myths for people that have these misconceptions of teenagers being just like self-absorbed and loud and obnoxious, because when you can really connect with them, I, it's not true. (laughs) Right. Right. And it's funny when you say loud and obnoxious, I'm just reminded again of that parallel with toddlerhood. Totally. And that like, so there's the parallel with toddlerhood and then there's the, the social peer kind of dynamics that are happening in teens, which isn't happening in toddlerhood where you're trying to fit in and you're trying to so everybody's like encouraging the other one to be louder and crazier because without really knowing what's happening you know right um and then another thing that i think is is really important to remember is that uh, something that a lot of my teen clients say to me is Like I'm feeling all these huge feelings and emotions and my parent or my teacher or my coach says, stop being so dramatic. And we feel social, um, like the pain of a social rejection, like a boyfriend breaking up with us or a friend situation in the exact same place in our brain as we feel physical pain. So when a teen where their friends and their boyfriends are everything to them, gets broken up with, whether that's a friend or a boyfriend, it hurts. It physically hurts. And because of their brain development, they're feeling 
things even more intensely. That's one of the things that I didn't talk about, but that's another thing that's happening in brain development. Like emotions are just much bigger. And so when you can really understand that, you have a wider ability to hold them in their pain that they're feeling over this friendship. But as a parent, you may think, well, I'm not friends with anyone that I was friends with at 14 or 16. Um, So it's okay. Or of course you weren't going to marry that guy, you know, but for them, it's, it's physical pain. Right. Right. And they're, and they're feeling, I mean, how, you know, how awful to judge somebody to be you know, too much of a feeler, really. <laughs> because when you said that, like, don't be so dramatic, it's like, I, I, I you know, it's a memory. And it's true. Like, how, how dare you say that my, you know, it's like, not validating what I'm feeling. So interesting. Yeah. So, so true. I think that's something that, um, yeah, so that's something that gets that teenagers say to me often is like, you know, my, my parents just think I'm dramatic or like other people don't understand. And that's, I, I have to, even with my younger ones, you know, like that's something that we say to girls is, um, and maybe boys too, but I think more to girls is, oh, this so dramatic or, oh, they're so dramatic, whether we're saying it to them or not. That's another thing that I really work on in my own parenting is, like the stories that we tell become the reality. And so, you know, my two daughters are very different and the stories that I tell about them become the reality of who they are. And that's something that I've struggled with my whole life is my brother and sister were very much like um, very smart, very academic, and I was not. And so I was the social one. And so that's something I've continued to struggle with as an adult is like, I'm not smart enough. And even still to this day, unknowingly, my dad will say stuff like, well, you're just the social one. And so I really try with my own kids, even though they're very different. And I can say she's the X one and she's the Y one not to do that. She's not the dramatic one. She's not the funny one. Like these are my two daughters and they're both individual and unique and they have amazing qualities. Yes, yes. And and so true, you know, when you say about speaking of children, because um, again, I'm reminded and, and I refer back to, to Montessori, but there's a uh, there's this like 10, 10 things to, to do or not do. And one of the very first ones is to never speak ill of a child, whether in front of them or, you know, not in front of them. And it's so true what you say about, you know, it's kind of speaking truth. And, and I know for me, it, it, often irks me when I hear parents talk about their children in, you know, oh, stop being a bully or, or, or something like that. Actually, the other day, I actually, I'm a volunteer doula. And one of the first things this mom told her newborn is like, stop being a bully when I thought like, why, why this is like a, a few minute old human being, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, you know, very, very, how, how strong our words are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's totally not ill-intentioned and the more aware we can become, the more, because I catch myself doing it too, you know, and, and then I'm like, oh, look, look, look what I'm doing. Do I want to do this? I'm going to make a choice next time not to do that. And it's always easier to see this. I've been reminded of this a lot lately. Like the, um, you know, it's easier for me to see my husband doing something that I don't agree with or like as a parent than to see myself. And so when I see that, I have been stopped noticing it and then like trying to really notice in myself when I do that. Um, so that's just something that I've been doing lately because it's easier to see it when someone else is doing it. But when I'm like, why is this bugging me so bad? And then I like get quiet and think about it. I'm like, oh, maybe it's because I've been doing that a little bit myself. And so if I do feel like I need to have a conversation with him about that, like first I want to get really clear that I do that myself as well. 
Right. That's that's great and 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 great awareness because it's true we can be a lot easier critical of our partners than of ourselves. So, so yeah, wonderful. And that's, that to me is like a whole other conversation is how do you navigate parenthood with your partner, right? Because we're going to parent differently like that. That's just, that's just a given, but how do we navigate that and accept their, their way of doing um, and not be so critical? Yeah. Fascinating. Well, um, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I know that we could go on for a lot longer, but just to just to respect your time and our listeners, I'd like to, to wrap it up with a more personal question, if I may. Yeah. Yeah. So you uh, mentioned that you have two daughters, and uh, offline you told me they were six and nine. So if you were to go back maybe 10 years ago, uh, when you were expecting your first daughter, what wise words would you tell yourself today, knowing all that you know? Hmm. Yeah. So this is an interesting question for me. Um, my mom actually passed away a few days unexpectedly before I found out I was pregnant with my oldest daughter. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. And so. I think there, you know, it's been challenge. It's been we were very close. It's been extremely challenging for me to raise my daughters without my mom. And I think for me personally, this this would be like I had such high, you know, we have selective. My dad likes to call it selective amnesia, um, but we have selective memories of our lives and our childhood, and especially when you lose someone you only remember the best or that was the case for me. And so I think actually, you know, taught being a new, a new, a mom to a new baby, it came pretty easily to me. And I had this like really high expectation of myself because of who I remember my mom to be. And I'm really good friends with her best friend and, you know, she has reminded me over the years that like my mom needed breaks too. (laughs) And, uh, my mom was really amazing. She, she was a dancer. And so she, even as a really little girl, I remember like getting dragged around to her dance classes and not loving it. And so she always, um, did things for herself as well and so I have I have continued that path, path, but there were times where it was like, my mom would never yell. My mom would never do this. My mom would never do that. And so I don't want to do that because she was perfect. And I think that's the, for me, like that's the biggest, the biggest thing that I would want to give to myself. So maybe the wise words would be, you know, lower your expectations. <laughs> Right, because it sounds like you had very high expectations of yourself with the memory of only the good from your mom. Yeah, and I think along those lines too, um, I was very, you know, I was very wounded through my pregnancy and with my older daughter especially. I was, I like never set her down. I was just so, so attached. And because of that, we, she has a really strong, strong, strong attachment, um, like independently attached. So she's, she's independent, but I, we, I have like this amazing connection with her. And last year I left my family for the first time. I co-facilitated a retreat in Costa Rica for, I was gone for nine days and it was amazing. And when I, returned I walked into the house and my daughters were there and I laid on the couch and hugged my daughter and really realized like it was the first time that I had left her it felt like the first time I'd let her go and it was this amazing freeing liberating and connected feeling of like oh we're both okay right And so, yeah, that was, um, of all the things that that trip brought to me, like that was by far the most important. 
Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so, Elise, as our time uh, comes to an end, is there any, you know, takeaway that you want our listeners to remember from this conversation or the work that you do with teenagers? Yeah, I think that one that I feel really strongly about, and this is all throughout motherhood, um, is we can only be as connected to others as we are to ourselves. I think Brene Brown said that, and that really has stuck with me um, because it can be so easy to get disconnected from ourselves as the caregivers of many humans, many little humans and sometimes big humans. Um, And so really taking time and and this changes. I think this is another thing that dance we talked about earlier. I lo- there's so many different phases or seasons of parenting. So when my kids were younger, it was, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I ever had time to like journal or meditate or do whatever it was that I would do to connect to myself. And as they've become bigger, I like that is really important to me so that I can connect with them because I feel like I have connected to myself. And so I think that is one thing that I think is really, really important. Is to stay connected to oneself. Yeah. And whatever that looks like for you, you know, maybe it's movement, maybe it's stillness, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's um, whatever it is, just having that time of reflection and connection so that you can show up for them. And and I think this almost becomes more important in teenage years because they're, even though like you have more time to do it and sometimes it feels like I talk to a lot of moms who are just so worried about the, the disconnect that their energy becomes really kind of needy of their, of their child. And so when they really start filling their own cups and connecting to themselves and having their own things, like that energy shift is felt by the teen. And it oftentimes recreates that connection. Beautiful. Yes. And, and so, I mean, so true in, in, in so many levels, you know, as you were talking, I, I kept on thinking of that, you know, how we often say about putting our oxygen mask on first and and so forth but that is true throughout parenthood you know and and i just want to just say to to those listening too it's not it's not like something to put on your to-do list right it's not like an added like oh my gosh i have to you know sit and quiet for 5 hours no it's just about being aware that you've got to take good care of yourself, right? And and I often say this of, you know, ask yourself, what do I need right now? Because we're we're so focused on our children, on our family, of, you know, and that's just that's just part of who we are, where we're just wanting to put others before us. But it's just a reminder to you to give yourself that same kindness that you give to your children, to yourself. And yeah, like discovering what your needs are. Sometimes they're physical, sometimes they're mental, sometimes they're emotional, sometimes they're like heart, you know, Um, and, and being comfortable with giving them to yourself or asking for the support that you need so that you can give them to yourself. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so Elise, how can our listeners learn learn more about you and your work? Yes. Yeah, so I am, my website is elisenox.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram as Elise Knox Connection Coach. Perfect. And I will have all those uh, links in our show notes. So again, thank you so much for coming on The Art of Parenting. Uh, This has been very insightful and I hope uh, useful for all our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? 
You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone, and you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony, and find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones and do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.